Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording not so live in my Brooklyn solarium. Folks, let me tell you something that is incredibly troubling, is that at the time of this recording, we have the parents of Ethan Crumbly, the 15-year-old assassin, murderer, instead of what the media, mainstream media, is referring to him as, as as a boy, as a troubled boy, as a bullied boy, um, I'm going to call him what he is. A person, not even a child, a person that premeditated an act of severe violence that cost the lives of four children and wounded seven. This story that is coming out, what we are learning about Ethan Crumbly and his parents, James and Jennifer, that at the time of this taping are on the lam. Where are they? Are they headed to Mar-a-Lago? Who the fuck knows? But the reality is this. His parents had very important information. You know, when they were called in by the teachers who discovered the drawing that showed the bullet, the gun, what seemed to be an ominous warning, a happy face, right? Teacher sees this. I was a former educator. You see that on somebody's desk. You look over as you're walking through the aisles of desks in a classroom, and you notice that that same child is pulling up ammunition, on Amazon, just like casually shopping around for bullets. And then you do your due diligence as a teacher. You call in the administration, you call in the parents. And then when the teacher and the administrator said, you need to take Ethan home, they said no. Knowing things that at that time, the teacher and the administrator didn't know which is that Ethan did in fact have access to a gun. 
that his father had purchased a gun four days prior on Black Friday, that he had been texting with his mother while at school, and she was making a joke of the fact that, oh, as you're looking for ammunition while you're in school, LOL, don't get caught. We know now through the Daily Beast, which I had talked about earlier in the week, the affinity that the Crumblies have for violence, the affinity that they have for the Second Amendment, how they delighted in reaching out to the twice impeached, disgraced President Donald Trump to tell him that they were so thankful for their guns because of him, because apparently he was there when the Constitution was being written. And that, you know, Jennifer Crumbly, the lady that she is, would rather be grabbed by the pussy than fucked up the ass by the government. That's exactly what she wrote in the letter to the former president of the United States. So you can already get a sense that this entire family seems to be unwell. Now, I don't say unwell as in I'm making excuses for the actions that they have taken. No, I mean unwell as in I think that most of the radical right is unwell. I think that racists are unwell. I think that people who buy into white supremacy, Islamophobia, homophobia, transphobia are unwell. I think the people that are addicted to QAnon are unwell. Does that mean that they don't face accountability? Does that mean that they don't have a responsibility as citizens and or parents to alert the community when they know that their child is not doing so hot in school? They knew exactly that their son was on the verge because why else would Jennifer Crumbly decide to text her child once news had broke that there was a shooting at his high school and say, don't do it, right? You know, what always used to piss me off is when people would, local newscasters would go around and they would interview the families of somebody that just committed a horrible crime. And then they interview the neighbors and the neighbors say, he was such a nice boy. I would have never had any idea, except in this case, everyone had an idea that this kid was not okay. And the mandate by the school was that once they were alerted to the picture and they called in the parents and they literally followed all of the right protocols, that they had, the family, 48 hours to get him counseling. But you see, if you look back at the letter that Jennifer Crumbly wrote to Donald Trump, where she is railing against Big Pharma, which is giving you a clue and an idea that they probably are against mask mandates, they're probably against the vaccine, which means that the idea of counseling and mental health, I can only assume, right, based on what was said and written in that letter, that they would probably be against that as well, that those would be the actions of some liberal, right? And that the school, as the, you know, now Governor Yunkin had said, is that parents should have a choice. Well, you see what happens when you give these kinds of parents choices? Because when the school administrator 
And the teacher said, you need to take this student home because we do not feel safe with him on campus. And then they said no. They should have never been able to leave the school without taking their son with them. And just think for a moment, I can only imagine, my God, my heart goes out to the families of those four kids that died aging from 14 years old to 17 years old. The stories of the football player that rushed in to try and grab the gun and was shot and died later in the hospital. This is the choice that we are making for our children that they are forced into a position where they have to be brave, where they have to be soldiers instead of students. This is what we are setting up for them. You know, in the conversation coming up with our friend, Dr. Jonathan Metzl, you know, he opens up with talking about how traumatized the last two generations of kids really are. Just think about it. I can't even fathom, I don't have the number, but the amount of mass shootings, school shootings that we have heard about since Columbine, the amount of mass shootings that have happened, that have been headline news, right? That have literally ricocheted around the country over the last two and a half decades. You're talking about kids who now are either in college or are just starting their first jobs that have no idea what it would be like to go to school and not have gun drills. When I was in school, the only drills that we had were fire drills, right? So this is what we have allowed our kids to become accustomed to, to become accustomed to randomly sitting in class and then an alarm sounding and them having to run for cover and barricade themselves. Not the stop, drop, and roll that I was taught, but instead how to crouch into your body, how to use your desk as a shield. We have parents that spent this summer threatening the lives of school officials and health officials because they believe that masks we're going to traumatize their kids. Are you fucking kidding me? But I don't hear about any protests in front of schools or up on Capitol Hill after every single time that there is a mass shooting that happens that takes the lives of children. But they want to protest masks. But the right wing wants to make little fucking bumper stickers that say that wearing a mask to protect yourself from a global health pandemic is child abuse. But we think that the actions that we are forcing children to become accustomed to in elementary school with active shooter drills, that that's normal? That that's okay? Instead of taking action, we have heard reporters ask the sheriff and ask the district attorney, Karen McDonald, who I'll get to in a moment. Well, what can schools do? What can schools do? Schools have done enough. 
You have already tried to turn teachers into cops like they are doing in Florida by saying, oh, do you know how we protect our students from active shooters? Oh, we just give teachers guns. How about we give teachers fucking pay, right? Deserving of the job that they have. How about we give them the support and resources so that they don't need to have fucking cookouts and bake sales in order to provide for their students because our public education system doesn't provide our education system with the resources to have kids have all of the things that they need, that parents and teachers are still having to dig into their pockets. But no, let's sell them bulletproof backpacks, right? Let's get them body armor. Let's make suggestions like, oh, metal detectors in all schools. Why don't we then put bars on the windows and blackout windows and bulletproof windows? Make the doors like the doors in prisons so that bullets can't get through. Because you see, that's the kind of contortion that this society is willing to do, but not to change the policies to ensure that you have to be a responsible gun owner, unlike the Crumblies. You know, the state of Michigan doesn't have any laws on the book that require people who own guns to lock them up in any type of way. Right? Because my God, any type of restraint that you put on the second amendment is an affront to it completely. God forbid, right? I, I can't believe that we don't have protests from these motherfuckers so that there are no safeties on guns because they should just be able to be trigger happy, right? We are living in a wild fucking country right now. And when I look at this 15-year-old, when I think about Kyle Rittenhouse, 17 years old, when I think about the fact that Ron DeSantis just made the suggestion that he create civilian armies in Florida to have the armed forces of Florida that only report to him. You know where this is headed. The Crumblies damn near were training their son to be a murderer. And now just think about the fact, right? Because by the time that you all hear this, I'm assuming that the Crumblies will be in custody um, and will have been arraigned for each of them having four counts of manslaughter, each of which could carry up to 15 year penalties if convicted, right? And I think to myself, white people in America really fucking got it good. And like, I know that you all know this, but my God, to be able to evade the police, to be able to curse the police out, to be able to commit murder and somehow, and literally have the bodies littered around you, but be taken in alive. It's some wild ass shit to be told by your lawyer that you're about to be charged. And then you decide to take the fuck off. Right. And then want to say that, oh, it's the mainstream media that are twisting things around. No. The sheriff's office called your house and you were not there. That's called evasion. Do you know who never gets to 
act out in any type of way, who actually has fucking real rage? Black and brown people. You see, Ethan Crumbly is able to murder four of his classmates and get taken alive. Trayvon Martin wasn't able to walk to the corner store. Kyle Rittenhouse is able to sling a real rifle on his shoulder and stalk the streets of Kenosha and get patted on the back, called son by police officers, but Tamir Rice couldn't play with a toy gun on a playground. I mean, it, it, it is so absurd where we are, and it's so absurd for anybody to be able to look at what we have experienced. Just, folks, just over the last two years, let me not even go all the way back, six, seven years almost, to the murder of Trayvon Martin. Just look at the last two. Breonna Taylor couldn't sleep in her fucking bed. Armand Arbery couldn't go for a jog. George Floyd couldn't purchase anything from the store. These people are dead. They are victims. And the mainstream media, along with the defense attorneys in each and every one of those cases, except for Breonna Taylor, because she didn't even get to have a real case, right? Because the district attorney said, no, nah, there was no wrongdoing here. She just shouldn't have been asleep. She shouldn't have been home. Telling us that, oh, the millions of dollars that our family got, that should be enough. Well, it doesn't bring back their fucking daughter or their niece or their friend or their fiance. We have to continue marching and screaming that Black Lives Matter because they don't. And when you see these cases of white rage and extremism and violence and cruelty, and yet... They're all alive. Every single fucking one of them. How is that? How is it that the Dylan Roofs of the world and the Kyle Rittenhouses of the world and the Ethan Crumbleys of the world are all alive and they're actual fucking murderers? But black people just existing? Just trying to breathe? maybe falling asleep in a drive-thru at a fast food, then all of a sudden you're dead. So you tell me that police officers are trained to take down people that are actually holding real weapons, not what they thought that Stefan Clark was holding in his grandmother's backyard, which was his cell phone until he was riddled with bullets. These are choices that these cops are making, right? These are choices that are being made by white people in power to never hold other white people accountable because you get to do whatever the fuck you want. And then we're all just supposed to continue sitting around and taking this in day after day after day, headline after headline, and thinking that what? At some point, the pressure ain't gonna pop? You know, it is... This country is beyond addicted to guns. It is addicted to the lie of this cowboy swagger and this pull them up by the bootstraps and this shoot them up Western that 
poor, grieved white men just can't get over with their toxic masculinity and fragility. But we won't have those conversations. We won't dig into this. We'll just once again say that Ethan was disturbed, right? Lone wolf over here. Except guess what? 60 fucking schools in Michigan were shut down following this shooting. 60 schools. Why? Because of copycat threats that were called in. This is the world that we are leaving to our kids, to the next generation. If I were them, I would look at adults with fucking disdain and disgust. We're leaving them a world that is on fire with climate change. We're leaving them a world filled with extremism and fascism and authoritarianism and democracies backsliding and full on slip sliding away. We're leaving them crumbling infrastructure an economy that is shit. Capitalism that is so unbalanced that you have people that are using their spare money to rocket into outer space. While people on earth can barely put food on the table, sitting around, standing in food lines. I, I, when I think about all of those things, how is it that anybody could say that America is the best country? In what world? How? We're getting ready to outlaw abortion. Meanwhile, Mexico, <laughs> a religious nation, just passed abortion throughout the country. But yet we are the ones that look down on these black and brown countries and want to come in with our paternalistic ideas of how they should be better. We want to go around the world and admonish countries in the Middle East and in Asia about their treatment of women and girls and human rights. Give me a fucking break. If I were a foreign leader of anywhere else, I would tell America to go sit the fuck down, have a seat. Why don't you go get your own house in order before you tell me how to run mine? This country is sick and I am unclear these days of what the antidote is going to be. Coming up next is my conversation with our friend, Dr. Jonathan Metzl about the trauma that children are facing these days and what, if anything, we plan to do about it. Peeps, it has been another exhausting week in America. And, you know, at the time of this taping with our friend, Dr. Jonathan Metzl, um, charges against the parents of Ethan Crumbly, the 15-year-old who shot and killed four of his classmates, wounding seven of them. His parents have now been charged uh, with four counts, I believe, of manslaughter. Um, the district attorney, Karen McDonald, who gave a press conference telling the chilling tale, Jonathan, of, I mean, if there, I don't know how many warning signs one would need in order to take action and from a, from a drawing of a gun and the, and the bullet to, uh, you know, comments about his new toy being beautiful, which is, which was the gun, his mother saying, LOL, don't get caught. Um, 
his parents texting him, you know, don't do it after they denied taking him home when the school officials had called and said, we would like you to take him home. And they said, no. I mean, what do you make just of, of, of the story that, it, that we are learning um, of, all, of all that transpired before that fateful afternoon in Oxford, Michigan? Well, I mean, talk about um, red flags on fire. I mean, it, it's incredible. There's just like, the, the, basically, there was a sign over this guy's head saying, I'm going to commit a mass shooting. Uh, and his parents, when they found that out, said, here, go commit a mass shooting. Um, and so there, there's never been a more clear case of somebody who is the exact profile of a high-risk person. Now, it's frustrating for me in part. I mean, first of all, another horrible tragedy and just, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I teach college, right? Kids are so traumatized right now anyway because the pandemic, the world, the future, and now they've got to worry about you know this still and stuff like that. It's just, I don't know, they're... So first of all, pain and trauma and loss because kids, again, are getting let down by grownups. Um, the world we're creating for them is not a better world. And and so partially, I'm just super fucking sad about all this stuff. You know, watching that video of those poor kids, just like, it's like, oh my God, you know, we have just failed an entire generation. So first of all, that. Um, but second of all, I've been doing interviews all week about this with, um, and I'll just vent a little bit if you don't mind, because I did like the Wall Street Journal yesterday, for example, and they kept asking me, what can schools do to prevent this? <laughs> and what were the warning signs and stuff like that? And I gave a 45 minute interview of which they took one sentence. And the one sentence was the only one sentence where I wasn't saying, this isn't a school problem. This is a society problem. This is a parent's problem. This is an access to guns problem. And probably somewhere in the middle of it, I said, but the schools seem to do things that did help along the way, which it did. But I said, like, you know, if we're in a world where kids are going to have to be doing mass shooter drills all the time, that's not a good world. And, and, and it's preventable. And it's the result of policy, crappy policy. So it's just a little weird that then they chose that one <laughs> snippet of that and not what I was also saying, which is that, um, you know, this is a society problem. It's not a school problem. I mean, certainly... There are issues about like who can you predict, what are the red flags or something like that. But this case makes so clear that this is a guns problem and a whiteness problem and a an access problem and what guns mean problem. All these things are so encapsulated. And it's not just this case. There's a zillion other cases just like this where people get their guns from their parents. I mean, so many mass shooters get their guns from their parents. It's crazy. Probably because they're like 15. Um but so it's just all these things together, you know, anger, frustration, and you know, I, you know. I, I want to stick with you know what what you what you open with because I I you know we've been talking for you know every week for two years and it's really interesting to kind of start two years with, I know right <laughs> um, uh, the the just the the sadness in your voice right like as you are thinking about the like. You know, sometimes it doesn't really occur to me because I am not around young people in the way that you are teaching just how much trauma uh, young people in America from Columbine until now have been uh, that we force them under 
that the adults that say that tweet out like the GOP did about the sanctity of life as a, as it pertains to a collection of cells in a uterus, as opposed to the fact that we have become almost numb to watching videos of young children run out of their schools, right into parking lots being covered by uh, police in combat gear. And that is a normal goddamn image in America. And it has been for at least 25 years. And so, you know, at this point, I think that it's a foolish question that journalists are even asking about, well, what can schools do, right? Because, you know, I heard one one reporter ask the sheriff, uh, and this, this was just a few hours after the shooting had happened in Oxford, well, do schools need metal detectors? And it's like, so again, we're not addressing the societal problem of our addiction to guns, but instead we would rather turn our schools into prisons? If it's just, I mean, it, I mean, just, I'm just, as you speak, I'm seeing the flash of, of students in Connecticut rushing out of the school and students of in Florida rushing out of the school, certainly every, pretty much every school rushing out of the school. Um, and I guess the word that comes to mind as a kind of central question here is culpability, right? So who is culpable for kids running out of their schools pretty much every week? Um, there are schools that have metal detectors. In fact, schools in New York now have metal detectors. A school confiscated 21 guns apparently in, in New York yesterday with a metal detector. So kids are bringing guns to school. Um, and, and that there's no doubt about that, but the question is who's culpable for all this stuff. And so as great as I think it is that the parents are going to be held accountable. And I think they should be made an example of honestly, because this is the most egregious, egregious enablement of, um, of this, I mean, you know, these people should go to jail, honestly, and I don't, I don't say that lightly, um, along with their kid. But but let me let me finish. Let me finish. But I will say that that in a way, blaming the parents or asking the schools, um, what can they do? It, it's the wrong question, right? Because the entire industry has no culpability. There's no culpability by the gun manufacturers, the gun sellers, um, and and that's not the case. You know, if you sell cigarettes. Cigarettes have a culp- have culpability. Car manufacturers, every other consumer project product, and so if we're not asking what's the culpability of the gun sellers and the gun makers, then we're just going to keep having the same conversation um, over and again. And you know, it seems to me too that with this particular case, which to you, your point is egregious, and it is because. Based on the information that we have been privy to up until this point, it's as if these the Crumblies wanted Ethan to commit a massacre because they they were the only ones, right, that knew when looking at this drawing, when they were called into the school, that he had access to a gun, right? Like they were the only ones that knew that. And so when we're casting this wide net um, that is now going to make an example of these parents, what is it going to take, Jonathan, for that net 
to then capture the gun manufacturers, capture the gun lobbyists, capture the Republicans that are going to die on the Second Amendment Hill. You know, you brought up cigarettes, right? Which that took decades, right? That took that took us decades. What what is the parallels, if any, that you, that you see between what it took for us to hold people accountable. And, and I don't remember, and maybe you do, I don't remember anybody talking about their liberty and freedom when we started to divide smokers and non-smokers. And then it expanded to, you can't smoke in front of this building. And now cigarettes in some places cost like $17 a pack. I don't remember anybody talking about their liberties and their freedom to die of cancer, right? Or, or to, to spread secondhand smoke. So what are the parallels that you see? Well, I mean, you know, if, I'll say first the discordance, which is that everybody hides behind the Constitution for the guns and says, oh, this is all about the Second Amendment and freedom and liberty. But the Constitution has been just used and bastardized. And so I, I think that in a way we're well beyond. I mean, if, I mean, imagine going back and interviewing people who wrote, you know, interview Thomas Jefferson or Hamilton or somebody, you know, and say, hey, uh, this one sentence you guys wrote is going to be used to support school massacre. Are you guys down with that? Um, you know, I, I don't think that they'd be so excited about that. And so, and, and nothing, none of this is in the constitution. So people will say, well, cigarettes aren't in the constitution, but guns are. Yes, guns are in the constitution. What's happening now is not in the constitution. And even yesterday when, or the day before when we saw the uh, the abortion case, sometimes people say, well, it doesn't matter if it's in the Constitution. <laughs> so you, it's like this – it's like you, this – you know, you can't win either way. But I will say that people say, oh, it's because cigarettes are not in the Constitution but guns are. Now read the Constitution and show me where this is in the Constitution, this thing. It's not. Um, and And nobody in the Constitution said, well, people who make guns should be – free of any kind of legal recourse. There, it doesn't say that in the Constitution. Um, and so in a way, just this frame, this veneer of the Constitution is used to block the methods that were effective um, with automakers, were effective with cigarettes. Um, you know, probably somebody could say now like, oh, Hamilton, he smoked a pipe and therefore it's constitutionally protected and we couldn't do what we did with cigarettes now. Um, but part of the issue is that th that this notion that guns have a constitutional sacrosanct nature, which again is fake, um, is then used to justify all the politics, all the NRA stuff, all the gun sales, all the exporting of weapons that we're doing now, which are, is making the world less safe and more militarized. And so this is all like veneer for an industry, right? It's not, not any mystery there. Um, but I will say that, you know, Part of the issue is I think the public health establishment and the Democrats thought, well, the, the methods that would that worked against cars, that worked against cigarettes, um, would work here. That is just it's a different it's a different beast. I think it needs a different playbook. I mean, you know, is your opinion uh, and and let me ask this that these parents could particularly could become the next martyrs on the right? Because, I saw you tweeted that. Yeah, like, yeah. Is, I mean, is is this? I mean, is this because? Look, I, I don't. I, I question nothing now, right? Like, I, I I assume that if I can if I can imagine it, it can happen, right? And so we already saw the deitization of Kyle Rittenhouse, right? And so now you have the other side of this. 
Couldn't Ethan say, well, I, I was protecting, this was self-defense. This was blah, 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 blah. Like I should have the right to bear arms. And this, and this is that case. Would you foresee this being the, the, like the, the step into Dante's Inferno further for the Republicans? Well, there's two parts to that question. I don't think the parents are going to be held up on anybody's top 10 list. I certainly don't think that's the case. I think when you shoot kids, you're, you're in a separate category. And so I don't think, you know, maybe they will be like the John Wayne Bobbitt on infomercials or something like that, or, you know, some kind of crap like that. Like they're, but I, but I don't think that they're, I don't think that they're going to be held up. I, I mean, nothing surprises me anymore, but I would say that these, these crimes are so egregious and so obvious and so blatant that I, I don't think anybody on any side of this is going to support Hey, you know, bring a gun to school and shoot your classmates. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's a bridge too far. I really do. Um, but I will say that the bigger question that you ask is very important, which is what is self-defense? And what we saw in Rittenhouse and in every defense here is that it's impossible to prove. I mean, that's kind of the point that the minute somebody says, I feel threatened or bullied or you name it, fill in the blank, and guns become the the answer at that moment, it's really hard because you're basically going off of a subjective feeling. And what we see in this case is that leads to all, and other cases, leads to all kinds of violence, right? And certainly this kid probably did feel like he was being bullied. So is that a justifiable use? I mean, no, not in this case, clearly. But, but in general, um, you know, it leads to racial profiling. It leads to killing of black and brown victims very often. I mean, when you look at like the stand your ground literature, for example, people get off for killing people basically. And then they just say, I felt threatened and they didn't feel threatened because somebody pulled a gun on them. They felt threatened because of implicit bias and racism and things like that. And so these, these laws are designed to, to create shootouts, honestly. Um, so, so I don't, so I guess the short answer is I don't think the parents are going to be on the Johnny Carson show, but I do think that the bigger issue of claiming self-defense lets off a lot of murderers. You know, I also wonder too, if this will bring up the solution that Death Santis had in Florida, which is, well, let's just have teachers be able to carry guns, right? Like yes. this, this is, this is what will stop the problem. We'll have, we'll give teachers the ability to be able to carry guns. Now, if, I'm a kid in my home. The gun is who, wherever in a drawer that's unlocked because there are no, in Michigan, apparently there are no laws about how you're supposed to handle your guns, right? Like you can, everybody can just do whatever that, put it on the kitchen counter and, and, you know, go sit in the living room. Um, do you think that this brings up an argument as to why even having guns in schools if you have a resource officer or a teacher would be problematic and turn into exactly what you had said earlier, which is just mass shootouts. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's, it, it was a horrible idea when it was first introduced. It still is a horrible idea. I mean, the irony is that college campuses, for example, historically gun-free zones, also historically the safest places for people 18 to 22 years old because they're gun-free zones, even in the middle of places where there's a lot of shooting. I mean, Tennessee, for example, uh, the Vanderbilt campus has like a 0.01 shooting rate and, and Tennessee has like four something or other. It's, it's, um, and so 
like even in the middle of places where there's a lot of guns and a lot of gun violence, the fact that school campuses have historically been gun-free zones makes them incredibly safe because there's a lot of conflict, a lot of bullying, a lot of, you know, what kids do on the, you know, playground and stuff like that. But people don't shoot it out. And, and, and you also don't introduce guns into this, into the scene by having the teachers armed or armed guards or things like that. And so what we're doing is just basically militarizing schools. And it's just going to, is, I mean, look at this case, right? It's, it, the shooter's always going to have the upper hand. It's not like you're going to win a shootout um, without casualty in, in a case like this. You know, so one of the other things that I want to talk about with you, too, is the fact that, if, if correct me if I'm wrong, but this is also one of the first mass shootings that we've seen in a school um, where 60-plus schools in Michigan closed because of copycat threats. And, yeah. Jonathan, have we seen that before? With the shootings that, you know, you have kind of rattled off in Florida and Connecticut, you know, uh, California and other places, has there been that kind of um, active copycat, you know, mentality pop up right after? Well, let me just put it in context. There's a ton of despair right now. There's despair in schools. The pandemic is extracting a huge cost on people kids in particular like again the future they think they were going to have is is closing in, in front of their eyes in part because of this pandemic we've got this new oh microphobia you know the whole country um and and so there's a lot of tension right now and so i think that threats are real right threats feel very real and so i'm not surprised that this shooting had a ripple effect now certainly it's the case that mass shootings in general have strong copycat phenomenon that was true through the 2010s when we were having tons and tons of mass shootings um so there would mass shooters would try to one-up each other and so i think that schools are prone to take this very seriously in general because of the copycat effect of of this also again it's in michigan where there are just a ton of guns around um, and so a lot of kids do have access to guns and and the other part is um you know, that it's just such a moment of heightened tension because of what's happening in, in the world right now. And so all these things are a pretty toxic mix. It's a dangerous moment in general, and schools are reflective of that. Um, but I do also think it's very important that we also, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to get schools off the hook here. It's important that we give schools more tools and parents more tools when people are at risk. I mean, there are things called gun violence restraining orders, red flag laws. When somebody's escalating, you have there's a way to get that person disarmed, right? Um, and so now, obviously, the flaw in the logic is like if your parents are like taking you out for shooting practice the day before you do a mass shooting, it, it's not going to work. Um, but I will say that we need to empower schools more to um, to address situations like that. I certainly think that's true. Schools need more authority to be able to even do more than this the school did in, in Michigan. Last question for you. Do you think that um, the fact that these this, these parents are going to be charged are now charged and will be, you know, arraigned and, and face their own trial separate from uh uh, Ethan Crumbly now being tried as an adult um, with a count of terrorism along with all of the other counts of murder that he has against him. Um, do you think that this will spark 
discussions around the fact that there needs to be laws on the books that your weapons are locked up. That like that, I mean, I, I know that that is the case in some case in some states, but it's not in all. Yeah, I mean, the parents are a far part of a spectrum, but they're on a spectrum, right? I mean, so they're on a spectrum of gun owners resisting any kind of gun laws in ways that make it easier for their kids to get guns. And so they're, I mean, it would, a, a gun safe, a, a trigger lock probably wouldn't have helped in this case or in general, because usually trigger locks and gun safes are for toddlers when toddlers are in the house. But I will say that there are safe storage laws that have been tried in multiple states, including in Tennessee. We had a, we had a case where a five-year-old kid uh, picked up uh, one of their parents' guns that was just lying around and shot another like four-year-old kid. And the question was, were the parents liable in that case? And we had support from across the aisle, really, Republicans and Democrats, the pre-vote was almost unanimous saying parents are responsible for gun storage when they have toddlers or kids under 10 in the house. The day before the vote was going to happen, NRA sent 30 lobbyists into town and basically said, if you like, if you want your job, you're going to vote against this. It's all, there's actually an article in Newsweek about this. It was called McKaylee's Law. And the, and what happened was um, they just all turned around and they voted against it. And so even safe storage for like little kids is something that is, that is not permissible. And so I don't know, man, it's just, um, it's just, you know, this is the world that these guys want, but it's, it's just sad that we have, again, at this moment in time, we should be taking care of kids. We should not be having parents so afraid to even, I mean, it's just ironic, right? Like we want our kids to go back to school and we're not going to do mess and we don't want critical race theory. We just want them to go back to school, but <laughs> we're not going to do anything for the biggest threat possible. Like how many people did critical race theory shoot, you know? And so, and so, um, and so it's just the, 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 the irony here. And again, we want the same thing, right? We want kids to be able to feel safe in school and think critical thoughts and become great leaders. We want to create a world that's better for them. But, but I don't know. This is just, there's something profoundly sad about this happening in general and this happening right now. Yeah, profoundly sad is where we will end it today. Dr. Jonathan Metzl, author of Dying of Whiteness, as always, we appreciate your insight and analysis here on Woke AF. Take care, everybody. That is it for me today on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 